If you're here for the first, second, or third time and you got that connection card, you do not need to get it filled out before the basket gets to you. That might be impossible. Uh, but as you leave through the hub, there will be a table on your left. We've got a gift for you. Our way of saying thanks so much for joining us today. So uh, I'm a parent. My wife and I have three kids, a nine-year-old daughter, an eight-year-old daughter, and a four-year-old boy. And there are a number of things that you, like in your life, think, I have no use for that phrase. I will probably never use that phrase. And then you become a parent and you realize, man, this actually actually means something. And this January, we introduced one of those sayings into our family. Uh, Over Christmas, the kids watched a lot of Star Wars uh, with my side of the family. And so we came home and parts of Star Wars came came home in their brains with them. Uh, And so whenever I would tell my son, hey, I want you to stop doing that, uh, the the way you're doing right now, we need to change that. Uh, He brought out his inner Darth Vader, kind of worried that he's obsessed with the bad guys. Uh, But the, the saying was, is son, you can no longer use the force. I would tell him to stop. I would tell him to be nicer to his sisters, go on timeout, whatever. He'd look at me and he'd go, now, in retrospect, what I should have done the first time he did it is just go and make him think that it's actually working. And then he would cry. I would have loved that. But like we're going to find out in a few minutes, I'm kind of absent-minded sometimes. So he did this and I got really mad too. Uh, And so now he knows that anytime he uses the force when he's in trouble, uh, like the punishment is double. You can use it when you're messing around, but if you see dad getting serious and I make the angry face and there's the two lines on my forehead, he knows that is not a time for the force. If we're playing around, you can force all you want. But we had to use the phrase, you cannot use the force. And the thing is, is he's doing it as if it's real. He's in trouble. He's on his way to timeout. This is the only way to get out of it. Uh, and I think he expects that it's going to do something. For the past few weeks, we've been talking about if and how the if situations in our life are going to make a difference both in negotiating our past, dealing with our past, but also looking ahead to the future. And what we're going to look at today is as if faith, basically looking at life, but because of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, living out in faith is so much bigger than being a four-year-old and going like this to your dad when you're mad at him. We're going to be in Romans 8, which is where we'll be for this week and the next two weeks. We're going to start today in verse 5. You can go there in your Bible or your app now. And what we're looking at today is as if faith. And the big statement that we're rotating everything around uh, is as if faith redefines everything. It puts God above everything and brings us there with him. As if faith, living, reading the Bible, looking at who God is and the things that God has for us, treating those not just as things that were for some time for some group of people, but looking at our lives and saying, God is saying these things as if they're still one, one million percent true for me. That's going to change everything that we do in life because it's going to put God above everything else. We are people of faith. If you're a Christian, there's nothing in your life that happens apart from faith. The book of Hebrews, which is the book at the end of your Bible, uh, it says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And faith is us believing in things that can't be seen. Okay, one of the reasons that I love God is because God is a massive forgiver of my sins. I asked Jesus to come into my life. I asked him to forgive me of my sins. I didn't get a receipt in the mail. Okay, I don't have something tangible to say, you know what, I know that God forgave this many sins because it's all on the receipt. We believe in faith that God has forgiven us even though we don't have a receipt. So all of our lives with Jesus are based on faith. We don't pray because we look up and we want to hear ourselves talking. We're praying because we believe in faith that God hears our prayers, changes us, and works in our circumstances and changes our circumstances. And what as if faith does is it brings God into every situation that we're in. 
It takes the depths, the, the bad parts, and the good stuff and brings God into all of them, which lifts up our bads and gives us a totally different way of looking at success. I love football. This is an amazing time of the year from November until tragically two weeks from now when football dies in the afternoon. It's a great period of time to be alive. And there were two games within about a week that both ended with like walk-off touchdowns. One of them was Alabama and Georgia. If you hate football, just turn off for like 30 seconds. Uh, but the game ended and they interviewed the coach. His name is Nick Saban. There's a picture of him up there. Uh, and they said, coach, how do you feel? You just won your sixth national championship. And he said, this is the greatest day of my life. Instantly in my head, I thought that dude is sleeping on the couch for a long time because his wife will not be happy. His granddaughter who was born last summer and he's doing all these specials saying that now life is, as a grandpa, it's totally different. That grandbaby, she's now number two because Alabama's number one and this guy's mine. It's the greatest day of my life. So pause that. Sunday, Vikings won because there was a touchdown scored because the guy who gets paid to tackle suddenly lost his ability to tackle. Vikings won. They interview Case Keenum right afterwards. He's the other guy up there. And they say, Case, how do you feel? And everybody who has a pulse and watches sports expects him to say, this is the greatest thing ever. He said, this is the third best day of my life. Best day of my life is when I gave my life to Jesus. Second best day of my life is when I married my wife. Third best day, today. Like, having a life with Jesus changes everything. It brings us up from our hard parts and, and difficult, drop-dead, horrible moments in life. And we're going to look at that more in two weeks. And it also redefines all the great stuff. And this happens through as-if faith. For Christians, we live by faith. But it's not just faith in faith. It's not faith for faith's sake. It's faith in an event. The verse last week, it was Romans 8.31. This week, the verse that we're kind of putting over everything and making it our, our main point for today is Romans 8.11. It says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. Bingo. That's what we have faith in right there. That there is a God who came to earth to live as Jesus. That's God with skin on to show people like us what God would look like, how he would talk to people, how he would love people, the things that God valued as important. He embodied all of those in Jesus. And in Jesus, he died a criminal's death, a sinner's death on a cross. Even though he didn't deserve it, we 100% did. He did that for our sake. That's how we have forgiveness with God is all through the path of Jesus by going to the cross. God uh, put on Jesus our sins and gave us Jesus' righteousness. And after dying, after being dead for three days when no one expected him to come back, Jesus rose from the dead. So for us this morning, as we look at faith, we have our faith in that. We have a faith in an event, not a teaching, not a belief. We have a faith in an event. A guy who was dead, who rose from the dead, who stopped being dead, appeared to 500 different people at, at various points, and then went back to heaven. So the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, that's where our faith lies, lives in you. Those are three massive words. Because if all of us are honest about who we are and the things that we struggle with, we pause that for one second and then we realize that the God who invaded earth and all humanity, paid for our sins, rose from the dead because he didn't want to be dead anymore, lives in us. The creator of the universe lives in us. The source of everything that is good and perfect and holy in the world lives in us. The God who lived his entire life without ever sinning, without ever making a bad decision, without ever having a hang-up or an addiction that we constantly find our way coming back to, to sin in new ways, lives in us. 
The God who's never acted out in anger lives in us. The God who's never struggled with, with negative thoughts and, and self-curses lives in us. And, not, and just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Man, we, we live as if God did in Jesus what he did and that that can actually have an impact in our lives. So we look at our lives, where we are today now, and we see that any amount of brokenness that we're bringing in here with, one, totally exists, but two, exists under the authority of our God who loves us and works in us. And so we look at our lives, we look at a need for as if faith, and we see mountains, we see enemies, we see things that we struggle with, and we know that all of that falls under God's authority and falls under God's power. And just as God worked through, uh, worked through Jesus to show his incredible power, he's doing that again in us as if he's just done it in Jesus, which he has. And that's not just wishful thinking. This is us remembering what Jesus has done. It's remembering the resurrection, that Jesus rose from the dead for us. It's remembering that what God did in Jesus, he can do again in us. So the Super Bowl is about to happen. Last year, uh, at one point, the Patriots were down by 25 points. It was 28 to 3. Uh, and then they came back and they won. And uh, it, they're based in Boston. Uh, every year in Boston, there's a big marathon. It's the biggest marathon on the planet. If you want to run in the one in Fresno, you just have to sign up. Boston, you have to qualify for. And so some guy thought, I think this is a hilariously awesome idea. If you're a Falcons fan, this will hurt. Uh, but right around mile 22, this guy made a big old sign, and he stood by the side of the road to say, hey, there's hope. It's going to pop up. Yes, it's there. Awesome. There's hope. If you feel like your legs are cement, remember we were down by 25 and we came back. If you feel like you've already jettisoned your breakfast, there's still hope. I've never ran a marathon, so there are numerous things I don't want to know. But he's saying to everyone, hey, you might feel bad right now, but there is hope. We look at the cross and that's our reminder. That the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. That this as if faith isn't just faith in faith, but it's faith in an event. It's God saying, this is what I want to do in you. And the problem with us, where, where we run awry in this, is that we fight that. So I want to look at three areas that, that we fight back today. And, and at the end of this, just say, okay, God, what do you want to do? How do you want to move in us in the areas that we fight back? And the first, is, the first that God is calling us to is that we live as if sin is dead to us. Romans 5, it says, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But... You are not controlled by your, sin, by your sinful nature. You're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. And then that verse again that we looked at before. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. So we live as if we've been dead to sin. Because we are. All of us, we, we have life with God because God made us right with himself. 
He looked at us in, in our place of brokenness away from him. He said, I, I want a relationship with them, so I'm going to come and I'm going to give my life for their freedom. And so what that does is it frees us from our old life. We talked about that last week, that our past, God looks at our past and he says, I got it, like a baseball player looking at a fly ball. He hands out, he's ready for it. He says, I got it. Well, God, you don't understand. It's a lot of stuff. He says, I got it. And so what he's calling us to is living a life where we know and understand and act like God's got us. I'm absent-minded sometimes. It's just kind of who I am. I focus on one thing a lot to the detriment of everything else. Uh, When I was 16, uh, we took a trip from Southern California where we lived uh, to Maine and back in a car. Uh, And the goal for the whole thing was to not kill each other, but also uh, to be in Washington, D.C. on the 4th of July. Uh, We were going to meet some friends there, and there's like a million people there. The place is swarmed, D.C. on 4th of July. Uh, And the people that we were with had one of those little yappy dogs that runs around and stuff all the time. and we were there at some fountain thing where it's like cement and the little water just like spurts up from the cement. You know what I'm talking about? Perfect. Uh, and it was my job to, to hold the dog. Uh, and I don't believe in like carrying dogs like in a purse or in a handbag or whatever. So I've got the leash and it's on the ground and it's trying to eat the fountain like dogs do, you know. Uh, and so at one point... I'm there, I've got the leash, I'm not paying attention to the dog whatsoever, uh, but it's eating the fountain, there's a security guard guy who doesn't really like the dog eating the fountain, because it was 1997, and not everybody had a tiny little miniature dog that lived with them yet. So the security guard looks at me, and he looks at the dog, he says, hey, you need to pick up your dog. And I look at the dog and realize that's not a Wilkinson family dog. It could be the other family that's with us, 100%, yes. So I tell the guy, you know, that's not my dog. Dog's standing right next to me, I'm holding the leash in my hand. Because in my mind, it's not my dog. We believe in big dogs that weigh as much as an elementary school kid. We don't believe in many dogs. That's not my dog. And so he's like, really? Pick up your dog. And I don't remember what happened. I think he just walked away because he realized it was hot and humid, which is why we live in California. And it's way too early in the morning to deal with idiots like the guy who says it's not his dog. God's calling us to that type of life with our past. Are there things that we have done that God looks at us and says that should never happen again? Yes, one million percent for all of us. But our past is not, our past, is not us anymore. It's been dealt with. God looks at it, he says, I've got your past. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So when the devil comes and says, hey, you need to deal with that, we can look at him and say, that's not my dog. That's not my past. God's calling us to live as if we're dead to sin. And even if it happened this morning, it's still not you. And in every way, we're new, we're fresh. God's calling us and creating us and empowering us to live as if sin is dead to us. Secondly, we live as if we're sons and daughters of our perfect heavenly Father. Verse 12, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. For his Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Man, taking these words as if they're true 100% frees us to live the life that God has created us for. What it does is it opens up our our ability to no longer be in control when things in our life completely run off the track and run off script. 
What it's doing is it's reminding us that God is the one who always has been and always will be in charge of our lives. Because if we switch that, if you remove that, we put us in the place of ultimate authority for all time, what happens when life goes sideways? What happens when we're no longer the ones in control? What happens for the things that happen to us where we think, God, what am I going to do in this? God would say, whoa, this is your problem. You're the one in charge. But instead, what he does is he says, I'm your father. I'm going to remind you of that. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to walk you through this time. We get that idea from scripture. We get that idea from reading in page after page that God says, you can trust me like a father and I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'll never abandon you. I'll never walk out on you. You'll never come to me at a time when I'm busy. You'll never come to me at a time where I'm mad at you. You're going to come to me and I'm going to be a good father. Verse 15 is clear. It says that we're sons and daughters of God. That means we're sons and daughters of God. That he doesn't look at you at a stepkid or some person that he's never known before. You're his son. You're his daughter. And when we pray, when we memorize the Bible, when we spend time in scripture, we're writing that on our brains so it becomes our default way of thinking. So that when we go through things that are difficult, we can go to our Father. We say, God, what's going on here? How am I supposed to live? How am I supposed to live the life that you call me to over here when I've got all this nonsense to deal with over here? And God doesn't say, come back at 5.30 because that's when our appointment is. God speaks to us. He does this through, through scripture, and, and here at Mountain View Sunnyside, we've got a thing called the Shape Journal, which is our way of reading the Bible and journaling daily. If you already have a plan where you're reading the God's word every day, and you're talking about how it affects you and journaling so that God can speak through your mind and stuff, keep that one. If you don't have anything, so the other 99% of us, uh, jump into doing Shape. There are some resources that you can pick up in the hub on your way out today that'll introduce you to that. It'll challenge you every day as we open the Bible and say, okay, God, what do you want to say to me through this today? How do you want to work in me today? How do you want to counsel me by exposing areas in my life where I need you today? How do you want to do this? And the great thing about God is he wants to talk to us. He wants to counsel us. He wants to show us gently like a shepherd, not like a butcher who will kill us for getting us wrong. But show us like a shepherd, man, this is where you need to come to me more in your life. This is the things that need to be laid down for you to walk in freedom and fullness with me. And the last thing is we live as if all people are made in God's image and need a saving relationship with Jesus. Man, our, our role, our place as God's sons and daughters isn't just supposed to affect us. It's supposed to be the type of thing that, that comes in and changes everything inside of us and then is spilt out of us to make a difference. Jesus says that the number one important commandment, the number one thing that's most important for all of us is to know that we need to love God with every single part of us and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so for us to live in as if faith, that means that we're going to treat people around us as if they're already who God created them to be. They're not a work in progress, but we treat people, we love people, we talk to people as if it's already there. Jesus modeled this perfectly. There's a guy named Peter, who was one of Jesus' best friends, who would follow him around for three years. He's one of his disciples. And there's a moment where Jesus changes Peter's birth name from Simon, which I don't know what that means, to Peter, which means rock. And the thing was is that Peter wasn't there yet. He wasn't strong. He wasn't immovable. He wasn't a fearless leader yet. There's one point at the end of Jesus' life where Jesus is on trial. Peter is there because he just wants to make sure that everything's okay. And there's a junior high girl who says, hey, hey, you've been with Jesus before. You walked around. You sound like Jesus. You look like one of Jesus' people. Do you know Jesus? And to a junior high girl, he says, I've, I've never known the man. Don't know him. 
That's not acting like a rock, but Jesus called him rock, saying, you're going to get to this. I'm calling you this now as if that's who you are, even though that's not where you are right now. In the Old Testament, there's a guy named Gideon whose nation has been taken over by another nation, and so he's hiding one day. And an angel of the Lord comes up to him, and he says, mighty warrior. And Gideon's like, nope, not here. Wrong number. Go away. He says, no, 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 you're a mighty warrior. Was he living that now? No, no, no. But God saw something in him, in him and he's calling it out. That's the way that God says and encourages us and, and, and empowers us to treat people. We don't treat people as they are now. We treat people for who God created them to be. A final example that'll just kind of ruin your mental image for the next few minutes. We talked about the story uh, back on January 7th. Uh, there's a guy who needs freedom on one side of the lake. Jesus is on the other. So he jumps in a boat and he goes across the lake for one person. And Jesus steps out of the boat and the person runs at him and he's demon possessed. And so he's butt naked and he's running at Jesus. And Jesus doesn't take his, take his like hoodie and stick it over his eyes and say, I'm not going to look at you because you're disgusting and get away from me and get back in the boat and really quickly invent a motor so he can go away even faster He steps out of the boat, walks toward the guy that nobody else wanted any part of. And he asks him questions. He doesn't say, get out of here. Here's your freedom. Go away and please invent underwear like right now. Behold my new invention. No, he talks to him. He asks him, what's going on? And that's the way that God encourages us and empowers us to treat people is that we treat people, everyone, as if they're sons and daughters of Jesus because it opens a door for God to do things in their lives, regardless of they're Christians or not. In my family growing up, my dad worked at church, and so I got that preacher's or pastor's kid mentality kind of label placed on me. And there was another family who had kids about our age, and their kid was a knucklehead. So like every Sunday, my mom is like, you have to be good today because we don't want people to think that the Wilkinsons raised knucklehead kids, which they did raise one, me. Uh, So even if I was sneaking out of class to make a mess in the bathroom on the way out, I had to be nice to my Sunday school teacher. I had to say, see you later, have a great day as I snuck out the back. And there was one Sunday where I got back to my mom that I was a brat to my Sunday school teacher, and that did not end well for me. Because Wilkinsons don't act like that. For us as Christians, we're treating people, we're empowered by God, we're sent out by God to treat people as if every single person, which they are, is made in God's image. And we reflect our love for God as we love people, as we honor people, as we bless people, as if they are already who God created them to be, as if they are the better version, the not yet version of themselves. And you know, that's where we live. If we look at our lives and look at the things that we haven't been able to put back together, the brokenness that we've caused, God doesn't look at us and we pray and say, God, I need some help in here. God didn't say, hey, fix this thing first. He didn't say, oh, it's my lying son. Good to meet you. Oh, it's my gossip daughter. How are you doing today, gossip? No, he doesn't say that. He calls us sons. He calls us daughters. He says, you're living as if you're dead to sin. You're coming to me as if you're my sons and daughters, which you are. Now I want you to go out and I want you to treat people as if they're made in my image, which they are. He says, I want you to trust me with your as-if faith, whether it's for leaving areas of sin, whether it's for growing in your relationship with God, whether it's how you treat other people, live in the as-if. And what God says is when we do that, when we put ourselves under his blessing, he's going to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. Let's stand and pray.
Father, I thank you today that you came for us. You didn't come just to teach and then to be gone, but you came to give your life as a ransom for many. You came for our freedom, for our salvation, for our new life. If you're here today and you've never made the decision to give your life to Jesus, to ask him to come in to your heart, to forgive you of your sins, to change you from the inside of you to the outside of you, I'm going to give you that chance today. You're not saying you're perfect. You're agreeing with every other Jesus follower in here that all of us have been separated from God by our sin. And Jesus came to bring us back into relationship with God. And I'm going to count to three. And if you're here and you've never made that decision, and I say three, if today's your day to say yes to Jesus, I just want you to look at me and raise your hand. Someone's going to pray for you as we close today. So one, God loves you. Always has. God's never stopped loving you. And today, he's calling you to follow him. Two, there are things in all of our lives where he pushed God away, where he said, I'm doing this my way. That's called sin. And Jesus came to pay the penalty for our sin. And three, today's your day to say yes to Jesus. If that's you, I just want you to look at me and raise your hand. And as we close, someone's going to pray with you. It'll be the best decision you've ever made. Is there anyone like that? Or today's your day to say yes to Jesus. Just look at me and raise your hand. All right, for the rest of us, there are areas in our life where we need to step into living by faith and not by fear. Living by faith and not our own self-condemnation living by faith that the people around us really are made in God's image, even though there's so much hurt that they've caused us and we want to be people who live in forgiveness and not in unforgiveness. As we invite God into those areas, God's going to move. And our as-if faith is going to turn into reality because God's going to come in and God's going to do a miracle and we're going to get to see it happen with our own eyes. How he changes our heart toward ourselves, towards God, towards other people. And so for us, I want to encourage us to respond with our feet, confirming what God's doing in our heart this morning. To come up and say, okay, God, I'm giving you this. Increase my faith to live this out. Increase my faith to put myself in a place where I can see a miracle because you're going to come in and my faith is going to lead to a miracle because you're going to get involved. Let's worship, let's respond, and let's move into the freedom that God has for us.